Hello and welcome to the Leaner Stronger podcast. Today I am joined with Amy Pickering of Reshape with Amy and we talk through different bits and bobs around body confidence and the mindsets around training and nutrition. So it's really interesting to get some of her insights, what she does with some of her clients in these scenarios. So hopefully you enjoy this one. Amy, how are we? Hello, very well, thank you. So obviously first time on my podcast, but you do your own little one as well, right? But do you want to just give people a little bit of a background to who you are, what your business is about and what you do? Of course. Well, I very rudely didn't ask how you were, but um, that's because we've obviously... <laughs> that's okay. You know how I am. <laughs> um, yeah, so I am Amy. I My business is like sometimes known as Reshape with Amy, which the the kind of like that came from wanting people to understand that reshape was about a whole package and not just training but reshaping your life basically so people come to you and it's like I just want to lose weight and then you start digging in and it's like so many other things come up so reshape with Amy was about reshaping people's lives I am and I'm an online and face-to-face personal trainer so predominantly now online weirdly something I never really wanted to do um but with lockdown kind of things just shifted as you know jake Absolutely. so i'm on a gym floor now but just for limited clients and actually so mostly with just long-term clients and then mostly online yeah that's cool and obviously we want to talk about today kind of body confidence bit of mentality mindset type stuff but you've been through your own little journey first i think it'd be really useful to kind of for you to talk us through your journey in, in fitness fit. It's always nice to know where someone's come from in this fitness stuff because people might look at, you know, look at you now, if, you know, some of people that listen to me or my clients will come and look on your page. They'll see Amy now and that's not the same Amy as Amy that started her journey. So it'd be cool just to drop a bit of background as to where you've come from. Why, why are you training? Why do you do this stuff? I don't know. No, I'm joking. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little bit different. So... I actually started out um, training, how old am I now? 29. So I was about 18 when I first went into the gym and when I qualified as a PT, um, I was a massive fail back then. I had no idea what it took to be a PT. So went on the floor, chatted to a few people, didn't get any clients and quit. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how it went. So then I got into bodybuilding when I was about 22. So I competed in bodybuilding for five years actually loved it at the time like I had a really crappy job at JLR just working on the track hated it so bodybuilding was like my whole life really it was everything to me outside of my very miserable job um and I did well I don't say it very often but I did get I did win a British title so that's pretty cool so that's where I kind of went went like what I went through like where I came from even with training And then I just took it from there. So I had a coach for my whole bodybuilding career, if you want to call it that, that lasted about five years. And then from there, I was like, okay, I've stuffed my relationship with food. So I started working with Amelia Thompson, who most people will know. um, She's a pretty epic nutritionist. And I am now actually working with her in a way again, because I'm doing EIQ nutrition. So that's pretty cool. I've had coaching through the muscle mentors since then as well. So I've learned a lot with them, done lots of things with 
Integra, so a lot of the stuff that you do. So it kind of went from bodybuilding to a passion of understanding stuff really and being like, okay, I need to understand this. So bodybuilding is very like strict, follow this diet plan, get really lean. And then you ruin your relationship with food. You feel shit unless you're super shredded. And then I was like, okay, now I need to understand this stuff and help people to improve their fitness and health without ruining their relationship with their bodies and with themselves. Yeah. And that's awesome. So if you don't mind us asking, you don't mind speaking about it, like where did your relationship of food go to in the sense of downwards, you say you kind of trashed your relationship with food via the bodybuilding process, but where, how, how, where did it go with that? What kind of, are there any things that you were thinking back then that you kind of look back on now and go, oh my God, I can't believe I believed that or anything like that? Where did it kind of get to? If you don't mind speaking about it, because I appreciate sometimes these things are quite personal. No, like I don't mind at all. Um, it's quite funny actually, because my partner as well, um, we've been together like six or seven years and he competed in the end. He was so great, like so supportive. And he didn't really know much about nutrition or training back then and when we see videos of us training we we laugh so hard um and all of my snapchats that pop up from like six years ago it's like oh my god we've got a cheat meal like and we would literally go to town like before the meal began I'd be eating like protein bars donuts go for dinner overeat feel like crap back to being really obsessed with my tracking the next day hitting the gym honestly like just basically like that I didn't ever I've never had a disordered eating like I mean you could call that disordered eating actually but I've never had an eating disorder so I've never experienced like a binge eating disorder but that is definite overeating it's definite disordered eating um so yeah it was just not good (laughs) (laughs) not a nice place to be yeah, so it's like almost you cycle through the whole restriction and then buying into the idea of having this one meal where it's just cheap meal, well, so to say. Turns into a day though, because like we like we laugh now, like we'll go on holiday, for example, and might just eat a normal breakfast that most people would be like, it's healthy. It's just the breakfast I enjoy. And if I had fish and chips, I wouldn't then be like, oh my God, I need to finish this and go and get myself a dessert. Like can just enjoy stuff without feeling like it's the only time you're ever going to eat that food and I think that's what you used to feel like you feel like you're yeah eat food again yeah yeah and I think we'll we'll touch on that maybe a bit later actually because I think that'd be a good thing to get onto is around that the whole mindset space around the nutrition and the training but I think the clients that you work with nowadays right you work with people that do tend to struggle with kind of the body image side of things and their confidence in themselves slash their body image right yeah I think I naturally ended up gravitating towards those people probably because I came from a place where I was unfit and unhealthy in my teens lost loads of weight I used like weight watchers got really skinny did loads of cardio started weightlifting got into bodybuilding and a lot of the people that I speak to maybe not on such a drastic level in terms of like bodybuilding and stuff, but it's lots of yo-yo dieting that leads to poor body image, that leads to poor relationship with food, poor relationship with self, poor relationship with exercise. And kind of coming through that and feeling how I do now, it's like, okay, I really want to help other people get to a good place with themselves. 
And do you see do you see any particular reasons or things that people, women, men struggle with, particularly with with their body image and confidence, or if there are there any classic reasons why these things pop up and about that you find? Mm. Yeah, so many. So I think lots of social comparison can be a bit of an issue. Um, expectations as well. Like I think people have un unrealistic expectations of themselves sometimes and they're not aligning actually what's achievable for them with their lifestyles and comparing themselves to like, you know, I don't know, Instagram models. They haven't got kids. They their whole life is really boring actually and they're you know <laughs> people are comparing themselves to this and yeah not being realistic compare comparing themselves and repeat the question for me Jake so it's just like is there anything that you consistently see people struggling with and any particular reasons why people tell you that they're struggling like is there common trends in that sense of why people begin to maybe struggle with their body image and their their confidence in themselves yeah so like the things that I just said I think as well like a lot of people do have a low self-esteem and a low sense of like who they are and, and what they want and I think all of this kind of comes from external validation and looking externally and I think social media plays a big part in that I think with the social media stuff as well I don't know about the people that you work with but I know definitely with a lot of my clients is that there's a minor naivety to the idea that the fact that these pictures that we see aren't actually what these people are sometimes. So like editing is mm. huge, isn't it? Like there's absolutely, I mean, people could do it ourselves, right? We could just download an app and tuck in the tummy a little bit and round your bum off and brown, you know, give yourself a bit of a browner tan and all these things. And I think we do end up comparing. I think a lot of people end up comparing yourself to these things and, so we're trying to boil it down to remembering that we are individuals and we are ourselves, right? We can't be someone else because we are us, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think another thing is people, people walk around in a bubble without realizing it where they're not very present. They're jumping into these. So it's like a thought that, a thought that, a thought that like catches someone off guard that, they're being judged at the gym and people are looking at them and they look like idiots and they don't know what they're doing. And instead of rationalizing with things, people are leading such busy lives that people are just jumping into these thoughts and getting really carried away and stressing themselves out about things that maybe don't actually, you know, don't actually matter. Or if you put it into perspective, wouldn't actually have a big impact, but they feel so real. Like these things feel terrible. Like it really does feel like you don't deserve to be in the gym. It really does feel like people are watching you. And, you know, I think a lot of the time, yeah, walking around on autopilot and stressing about things that come up in your head uh, without voicing it out loud or without writing it down or helping yourself to understand it better can be a big problem as well. Yeah. Okay, let's go, let's go into it. How, how it's okay. Let's say we've got people that are coming into the gym. They're, they're absolutely shit scared of being on the gym floor. They feel like everyone's looking at them. They feel like they look like crap and they don't deserve to be there because they look like crap and they feel like they're fatter than everyone else and they're not strong. They're a bit weak. They shouldn't be there. How can we go? How can these people go 
and do something to improve that? How can they help them get past those thoughts and to go to the gym and, and be confident, more confident in going there? Obviously, these things take time, but what can, what do you think some people could potentially go and do maybe today? So, yes, yeah, obviously it's going to take time. And I think I said this to a client once who was like, you know, I just cannot come to the gym without you here because people are definitely going to look at me and laugh. And I was like, they're not like, and if they are, they, those people don't matter. And she, and I was like, look, do you, do you look at people and judge them and laugh? And she kind of threw it back in my face and was like, yeah, I do actually. I was like, oh God, God damn it. But I think the bottom line is yes. Like there might be people that are looking at you and judging you, but you cannot control somebody else. Like you physically can't. So to a certain extent, you have to let go of whether people are or aren't looking at you and judging you. And you have to do things for you because you have every right to be in a gym. You have every right to try and achieve your goals. And the only thing stopping you doing that realistically is you. And I get that some people are going to have really low confidence. And I might work around that with some clients by starting at home and building the foundations at home. You know, getting them to a place where their self-belief is is better because we're questioning limiting beliefs. We're questioning unhelpful thoughts. We might do this by using meditation, using journaling, by just recognizing the common limiting beliefs that people have. Like, I'm not worthy of doing this. I'm not good enough to do this. I'm going to look like an idiot. And just questioning those beliefs and building new ones. And this could be something that you do before joining the gym. But honestly, I just think get in there and do it. And you do really have to let go of whether people are or aren't judging you. Because like she said, yeah, actually I am. Well, you know, what does it matter what that person thinks? You you have every right to go in there and work towards your goals. And you cannot, you cannot control what other people are saying about you. Yeah. So when you say you get people to question their limiting beliefs, so that they're, they're not worthy, they're not deserving to go to the gym, they shouldn't be there. How do you get them to question? Like, what kind of process do you go around to question to get them to question that? What kind of questions should someone ask themselves in order to kind of start that working around that process? I think this would really vary from client to client, and it all depends on your sense of self. So this would be like your what's the word? So, so is it? Is it kind of like if they say, so let's take the worthiness thing, say I'm not worthy of going to the gym or I don't deserve to be slimmer. Like, do you get them to literally ask themselves that question and go, why don't you feel worthy? Why, why are you not worth these things? Or do you get them to list why they are worthy and, and get them to realise that the balance of why not and why they are are completely different and you'll realise that you're way more worthy than you would imagine? Is it kind of working around that kind of frame? Yeah, I mean, you can definitely do that. But for some people are going to find it really hard to pinpoint what their beliefs are. So you can, you know, you can get people just to slow down. So what I've done with some clients is, right, let's just spend the next couple of weeks just slowing down. Every morning when you get up, take 10 deep belly breaths and just recognize what can you see, smell, hear, feel, taste, whatever that might be. Or if you can't do that, you're going to have a 10 minute morning coffee where you just keep bringing yourself back to the present moment. And for some people, this is just about reminding them to be here and now and not out away with the fairies. Because for some people, they won't ever be able to recognize those limiting beliefs because they're always in another place mentally. So it could be going through that process of just slowing down. And people are always like, yeah, but I can't meditate because my mind is so busy and I can't stop it. And it's not about that. It's not about quieting in your mind and making it like silent. It's about 
recognizing and allowing what's there and being present with it so actually acceptance is a massive part of this and starting to accept actually who we are and where we're at so I wrote something I wrote something down actually so you've got the um so you've got the paradoxical theory of change which is obviously what you believe will be so if you really if you keep believing that you're unable to do something then you won't be able to do it but I also wrote something down and I cannot remember who said it but change occurs when he becomes who he is not who he is not so once you can start recognizing what's there accepting it you can start to work on it it's when you're always trying to kind of deny who you are and, and what you are that it's harder to work on it so I think, first of all, slowing down is a big thing. And then we might use like journaling where it's like, okay, now I can, I've slowed down. I'm able to recognize what's coming up for me. I recognize that I regularly feel like I am not worthy of being in the gym. And that triggers me. I get stressed, whatever else happens in that moment. And we might sit down and, and breathe on it or journal on it, which might look like writing down what's there. So, okay, I am believing that I'm not worthy in the gym. Okay, what am I believing is going to happen? I am believing that I'm going to drop the barbell and everybody's going to look at me. Okay, what's the worst thing that's going to come from that? People are going to look at me. Like, and you basically just go down like that. Like, okay, what am I believing? Is it a fact or is it not a fact? Am I making it worse in my head? So some of these questions are really useful. What do I believe? What am I thinking is going to happen? Am I making it worse in my head? Is it a fact or am I, is it not a fact that that's going to happen? And usually we get to the bottom of it and it's like, actually, that's not a fact. Like somebody's not going to come over to me and scream and laugh in my face. I'm probably not going to, you know, my leggings probably aren't going to rip and I'm going to have a massive hole in my ass. Like some <laughs> of the things that I've come up with is, is crazy, but journaling is quite useful. But I think for some people, they definitely just need to become more self-aware to begin with. Yeah. No, it's nice. It's, it's, that's, that's cool. And then I suppose once they've begun that you say you kind of can start that at home for a lot of your clients right before they even that's before they even get to the gym they're already being able to work on that right so and then I guess when it comes to going to the gym and getting them a bit more confident in their body and their and just their general confidence of being there it's it's I suppose for your end it's the same in the sense of just those small steps of just the little wins along the way and just recognizing what they can and can't do and and chipping away up like like that is there or do you kind of do anything else in there so for me, it's about building that person's intrinsic motivation to, to go and do it. So the three, the three psychological needs that you have to meet is competence, autonomy and relatedness. Is that right? Um, so it's, first of all, it's about making somebody feel competent. So we're going to use predominantly machines because you can learn them quickly. We can start to feel like you're progressing. We can get stronger like you're not trying to juggle a free weight and you're not standing in the middle of a room trying to juggle free weights where there's people everywhere. We can just get on the machine, execute really well. You can start to feel really good in what you're doing. And this works really well. I have clients feeling amazing in the gym within a couple of weeks, just, you know, simple supersets, leg extension with a cable row or whatever it might be. Um, so yeah, building up somebody's competence, first of all. And then like the autonomy part comes in with, their people making the decision themselves about what they want to change and I think instead of trying to change a million things in one go like you said celebrate small wins keep it really simple get to the gym three times a week and celebrate when you do that and you know give yourself a, a little pat on the back 
Um, so yeah, keep things keep things really simple and give somebody a safe place to explore what they want to change and what you know what's not going well for them. I think the the little wins thing is a really important thing, and having I think sometimes as well with a lot of the people that we can work with, they can have these massive goals in terms of what they really want to do because they look so far into the potential future of going, I want to be here that they forget about all the little steps that one are necessary to get there, but two, to enjoy along the way. Like it's almost like they, they're not allowing themselves to be happy until they've reached why, whatever it is they've got in the future. Right. And, but the thing of going to the gym three times a week and celebrating that, like that's a big one. Cause we don't know about you, but when I get certain consults, they're like, right, I want to be at the gym five, six times a week. Uh, an hour and a bit every day or whatever it is they they kind of say but this is a person that hasn't been to the gym in 15 20 years mm-hmm. and they're not recognizing that six times a week is one hell of a commitment first and foremost and two they've not been to the gym for <laughs> 15 20 years so those first couple of sessions are going to leave them feeling pretty pretty sore more than like uh, more than likely right mm-hmm. but setting those small smaller goals in the run-up to the big goal uh, vital in a way and like you're saying allowing yourself to enjoy them is going to be massive isn't it like the act the act of turning up to the gym even if they were to turn around and go straight home yeah. is still a piece of progress and i think some yeah. people don't recognize that as progress because it's like oh well all i did was turn up but it's like well you haven't turned up for 20 years so the turning up today is is a step forward isn't it whether you buzz yourself in and, and turn around and go home because you got scared that's that's a different story but we can layer on top of that because you've got the first act of just turning up and then like you say starting with things like machines i'm similar in the sense of machines are always a lovely place to start for a complete beginner because it's like easy wins they're easy to learn they're pretty simple even if you're not there with a the pt they generally all have instructions on to follow feels a bit silly to read the instructions i know that like in our gym a lot of people go oh i don't want to read the instructions that makes me look like a bit silly it's like well they're there to explain you know they're there deliberately and, and you know if you need to remind yourself how to do it because you can't remember or you don't know how you're not going to learn any other way are you yeah definitely i think something came up for me while you were talking and it was um i remember somebody saying this like for some people it is that people are constantly focused on this end goal and they forget that when they get there, they've got to keep up these behaviors to, to, to be that person for the rest of their life. And it's like, if, if somebody just came and gave you your goal body, you wouldn't be able to keep it up anyway, because you wouldn't understand the behaviors that you needed to follow to keep it up. So I think this is a massive part of like developing every area of yourself. If you go into something like a, a transformation of whatever kind that might be it's going to require so many different elements it's going to require like emotional development and you're going to require some sort of knowledge and development in that area to like be able to sustain whatever it is that you're doing and physical development and you know there's um probably spiritual as well or you know the whole wellness like there's going to be a lot of areas that you're going to have to develop and probably changing otherwise whatever it is that you do is unlikely to to stay with you and I think people rush and try to get to this specific place and forget well 
you know, it doesn't matter if I have a holiday one week and I don't train, that's normal. Like, and I try and say to people like, I don't train every single week perfectly. And, you know, every week I'm not eating all my greens and it's normal to be human. You've got to look at the bigger picture and so annoying. It flies around Instagram, like just be consistent, but you've got to think into the future and think about, okay, well, when I get to that goal, what, what does my life look like? What sort of person am I? Am I going out to the gym three times a week? Am I, you know, am I sitting and watching four hours of Netflix a night or am I going out and get and having a walk and, you know, cooking a nice meal instead of ordering a takeaway? So I think people are just rushing all the time and trying to get somewhere too fast. And you see it with all these new reels came out this week on Instagram and they're like promoting standing up and just doing some like little jig. <laughs> and like all of a sudden, five weeks later, this girl's got abs and I'm like, stop selling that to people because it's like, there's a massive thing out there where it's like fat loss shouldn't be difficult. Fat loss should be really easy. And I think this is actually mis-selling it to people because yeah, it doesn't have to be difficult. And if you've got the right support, then everybody is capable of fat loss, regardless of genetics. Like everybody is capable of becoming healthier and losing body fat. But at the same time, it is going to require a level of hard work. Like whether it's looking into your eating habits, whether it's looking into why you decide to watch five hours of Netflix instead of go to the gym, you're going to have to get uncomfortable. And I think that's a big thing. Like people are just expecting to get somewhere like now and not have to put in the work. Yeah. I think that when they say fat loss is easy, like you say is wrongful terming. I think, I think fat loss is simple from a theoretical point of view because we have, like you say, the almost mathematical equation of the whole calories in, calories out. We we know it doesn't all boil down just to that. Uh, easy is definitely a misrepresentation of that for sure, isn't it? It, it is going to require effort. And think, like you say, this whole fast track nature that we have, um, it's funny actually that the weekend when I was watching a couple of my clients at their kind of shows, like we were waiting for dinner and it was taking a little bit longer than they're used to. We're used to. And I was just like, this London, that's living in a city. We're used to getting everything nowadays as quickly as we want. It's like, if something's taking 20 minutes, it's fine. Like, you know, these things, these things go as fast as they do. There's not a lot you can do to change it. And I suppose fat loss is the same as like, it will take as long as it needs to take. I suppose the, the more extreme you go with your methods, the quicker you may well get these results potentially, mm -hmm. but the sustainability there, because if it's not the lifestyle you want to lead at the end goal, like you said, then you're not going to keep your results no. as well, potentially, or without, without less sacrifice, you know, like you could sacrifice a lot of stuff, social life, family life, et cetera, to get to this fat loss goal ASAP. Of course. But if you're not sure of how to, you know, maintain that lifestyle, at the end, then you, it probably actually would be worth taking more time to get to the same end goal. Yeah. Working on those habits, working on those, those, that lifestyle and that ability to do that. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's why so, so, so much of the work I, and I think you're going to ask me about black and white thinking around food and how that like plays out in dieting. But that's why I think like the self-compassion and mindfulness side of things and the self-awareness and building on yourself of sense sense of self and building your intrinsic motivation and all of those things and learning the skills of training understanding nutrition a little bit so you literally have these skills forever and you don't have to keep you know redoing it and 
I think building those things is so important, particularly self-compassion, because when you do fail, when you get it wrong, self-compassion allows you to keep going in the face of that and, you know, be kind to yourself where people with low self-compassion are more likely to beat themselves up and, you know, probably self-sabotage than somebody who's got that compassionate resource for themselves where they can be like, do you know what? It's normal. I'm human. I can move through this and be and and learn something from it. Let's dig into that then. Let's go. Like just just to clarify for for those who may not know what self-compassion even is, what what how would you kind of term what self-compassion is? And, and let's go into why it is actually important to be able to be self-compassionate around let's let's base it around nutrition first, because that's that's where it probably pops up the most. So I'm gonna so self-compassion and I actually get everything that I know on self-compassion from Kristen Neff and I'm not like an expert I know little bits about it but there's three components so there's self-kindness which is being like gentle and kind towards yourself understanding that you're going to struggle so it literally it's like being with yourself as you would with a friend so imagine if a friend at a pizza when they were supposed to be dieting would you call them a, a fat lazy slob like probably not and then um, common humanity is about recognizing that other people feel it too. So quite often when we struggle, we isolate ourselves and we make, we make ourselves feel like we're the only person in the world that struggles and it actually just makes things 10 times worse. So common humanity is about recognizing you're not alone. Other people have the same struggles. And then mindfulness is the third part, which is paying attention in the present moment without judgment, but just with present awareness okay yeah so then an example what would a classic example would be i suppose where they need to learn these things are literally like a case of going out on a social for example to a, to a restaurant so maybe you're going out to a restaurant and so that could be quite triggering for some people their body's going to have a response to that trigger that they might not even recognize you know maybe they're pulse raises they start feeling a little bit stressed I know what I'm like when I'm triggered and some people when they're triggered might reach for food some people might argue with a loved one whatever that might be mindfulness would come into that as recognizing your thoughts your feelings exactly what's going on for you in that moment without trying to suppress it or deny it so it's like okay I'm feeling a bit anxious about going to dinner tonight. And I know that because I am reacting in X, Y, and Z way. So then you're going to like recognize that that's normal. Other people feel this way. Self-kindness would be, it's okay to feel like that. Like I, I recognize that I care about my diet, but also that living and going out for meals with my friends and family is a part of my life. And I can still enjoy that whilst achieving my goals. And it's kind of like reasoning with yourself. So you're recognizing what's going on physically, what's going on mentally. You're being kind to yourself. You're recognizing that other people feel it too. And then kind of just moving past it and being like, okay, cool. I'm allowed to go out and have this food. doesn't mean that I'm ruining my goals. Being realistic with yourself. Um, it could literally just look like that, to be fair. Yeah. And again, these things take time to work on, right? It's almost like training in the gym. You need to practice putting in to action these methods, I suppose. Because um, I think a lot of the time, if some of my clients have 
felt in the way because it is it's essentially dealing with stress isn't it it's essentially the stressors that come from the different scenarios isn't it whether it's going out or whether it's the fact you've had a bad day at work and you're stressed and you're reaching for food as a as an alternative well as a, a stress response so to say and it's the emotional eating side of thing is actually okay as an option i think it's a case of just recognizing and understanding it's not the only option of dealing with stress and maybe trying different other elements right to, mm-hmm. to that to, to help process these things and exactly and i mean i mean even i don't still get it right all the time like yeah. it's a lifelong thing like these are practices that you will use probably forever can't imagine ever not needing to use them um so yeah they're things that you have to practice and people will often say to me I've got a really stressful month coming up so I know that it's going to play out in my eating habits let's start let's let's manage let's start looking at like mindfulness as an option to help me and it doesn't kind of work like that you have to implement these things into your life and then they become resources that are available to you when you need them it's very unlikely they're going to be available to you when you need them if I know that a couple of years ago when I was really stressed, the last thing I'd have done is sit and meditate. Like, no way. <laughs> Straight for the ice cream. Straight for the ice cream. And it's a massive reason why people fail at diets or fail at maintaining weight loss. Like emo- like um, poor emotional regulation or would you call it emotional intelligence? React- uh, yeah, reactions, regulation. That regulation is hard though, right? Because obviously, again, normal life, again it comes to the acceptance as well right understanding that we we are not going to have a stress-free life completely stress is going to happen in one way shape or form right whether that's a case of and stress comes in so many different forms it could be someone dying it could be just being so busy with work family even just doing too much so to say can be stress even if it's all fun stuff doing a lot of stuff does kind of build up into that kind of what they call like allostatic load isn't it where you just got so much going on it all contributes and we only have one cup to to pour from so if we empty it with all this stuff then react just learning to react isn't it so you do have things like pausing and and taking five minutes away from something if you do feel like emotional eating is the thing you do and go for all the time it's like can you can you try another method first then if you tried other methods and you still really want to eat whatever's in front of you as a way of dealing with the stress, then fine, that's okay. But you've not fallen to that as the number one no. thing every time. No. And how I usually like implement that with clients is like, first of all, let's start. So for somebody who might use food to regulate emotions, first of all, let's just start slowing down. So we're going to, like I said earlier, have a mindful moment every day, whether that's paying attention to your morning coffee, eating a mindful meal where you sit down. We often like everything's on the go. So just sit down and pay attention to your food or do a meditation or do some breath work. And then from there, you can start implementing this into triggering moments where it's like, okay, I recognize that I'm feeling whatever I'm feeling right now just going to sit with that for a minute see if I can name what's going on um the wheel of emotions is awesome on google like I mean I worked with a therapist I'm not a therapist these are just things that I advise like Mm. I would love one day to to get the right qualifications um but 
the wheel of emotions is great because it helps you to label a range of emotions and we're pretty limited with our emotions like we feel like anger sadness anxiety happiness and that's usually the top four that people can name but the wheel of emotions gives you this massive like range of emotions and you can be like oh my god actually I'm feeling this and if you can just kind of sit with that and be like what do I actually need right now is that going to make me feel better then we're kind of looking more into the future like how do I want to feel later what's going to actually fill me up right now and it just enables us to pause and and check in with ourselves and build that resilience that we need to to make the right choice for ourselves. and like I like you said sorry it doesn't mean you can't choose the food but you're giving yourself a space to make it a decision and that's where self-compassion comes in as well like sometimes yeah you might fuck it up but the compassionate thing to do is like do you know what I fucked up but it's okay I haven't failed I can carry on as normal whereas somebody lacking in self-compassion is more likely to be like oh my god I'm a failure I'm an idiot and the poor choices then just spiral from there that big red fuck it button that gets hit and then it gets hit every day thereafter right yeah. I think, yeah, that's also another important thing, isn't it? It's going, right, even if you do choose the food, to deal with it that way, and even if you know it's not your favourite decision to be making, but you, like you say, you accept it, and it's okay for that one day, it's then, like, almost resetting to then go again the next day and be like, right, now we're just back to, to normal, rather than allowing that one decision to, like you say, spiral out of control. And, you know, I mean, for some people, that could be a case of months, weeks, or years. <laughs> like before they then decide to get it back on track, isn't it? Rather than just going, right, that's me done for the day. That's fine. It's okay. I haven't fucked it. It's just that's the decision I've decided to make. We go again tomorrow. Back to what is our our norm, more normal habits than slamming six thousand calories down your throat yeah. because you've had a bad day. And it's the I'm not there yet, so. I feel like I'm never going to get there and I'm not there yet. And I keep making mistakes. So I'm just going to give up and then never get there. Like I'm sure there's lots of other psychological things going on for some people, you know, there'll be a lack of resources in terms of like support in the house and education. And they won't have been modeled these behaviors by their parents, potentially the people around them. So it takes time. And I think, yeah, it's, Definitely that. It's not easy. I think that's the other thing I would say that we could always keep saying these things need to be worked on and just try, you know, the, I suppose the, the, the act of trying to do these things like training, you know, sometimes you're going to have good days. Some days you'll have not so good days, but you're trying to improve these habits and improve these techniques, so to say, yeah. and they'll, they'll come to fruition at some point if we keep trying, but that's cool. Um, okay. So then, that's obviously that can work around nutrition. I suppose it, that all of that stuff can kind of work around training as well, can't it? It's these kind of tactics can be used, you know, but we see it around nutrition more so, right? But when it comes to the training side of things, people with low confidence in themselves obviously kind of don't like the idea of going into the gym because they don't feel confident so it might just be worth maybe talking through some really easy things people can go into the gym and do to start building that confidence in themselves in the gym I don't know if there's anything that you kind of have spoken with clients about or people about, about how they can start to feel a bit more comfortable and confident in the gym usually I would be like just turn up like a couple times a week and walk on a treadmill I don't know, like just be in the environment. Um, maybe 
give some gentle like mat stuff that you can do working into some machine stuff where it's just half an hour you're just keeping things really really simple what what do you do jake do you have any specific sort of i think i think yeah like you say being in and around it like turning up yeah like we said earlier the act of turning up is always the big first step and every time you do that there there is always the element of being a little bit uncomfortable with what you're doing like you say we need to nudge the needle in that in that sense we can't stay very much within comfort zones because then we don't really build that comfort zone any bigger do we but i think for naturally of course this is this is all under the assumption that people aren't going to have a trainer as well obviously if you have a trainer that's a a a way of accelerating the comfort levels in a gym because naturally you're you've got that support system there right so you'll have someone there kind of showing you how to do these things and guiding you and and watching you if if going for a trainer isn't the option you want to go for which is absolutely fine some gyms will have introductory classes or courses however they want to call them nowadays it's where someone will just show you around the kit but i think it's just the act of trying and like you say if they've got resources where they can go and follow a a, an equipment free workout just go and occupy a small space in the corner of the gym so you feel like you're out of the way of eye shot not that anyone is looking but go and just do 20 minutes in a corner and then bugger off the next time come back make it 25 minutes come back half hour and then once you I think a lot of people, they get bored of doing that because then they're like, oh, well, I'm constrained to this one little corner of the gym and that's where I feel comfortable, but I want to do some other stuff. It's like you need to then venture out of that corner to try one piece of kit. Even if you just go there, try one piece of kit and then leave it for the day, come Mm. back, try one new piece of kit every time, figure out what you can and can't use and physically figure out. And then if you get to this point of being stuck, I think the... Then it's a case of rather than being stuck and going, oh, well, fuck it, I can't go on anymore. It might just be worth even having a couple of sessions with a trainer yeah. to be like, look, I've, I can do this, this and this, but I just want to try something else. And they can show you it's, you know, and then that investment in a couple of hours, for example, could open up so much for you in the future. It kind of pays itself back in, ter- in, in, in terms of time and your efforts in getting results, right? Because and the confidence just doing it just having that reassurance that you're doing things right so to say for want of better words yeah I think some of it will come back to that self-fulfilling thing again where it's like if you keep telling yourself that you've got no confidence and you can't do it then that you know to a certain extent you've got to push outside your comfort zone like you said but also I think for somebody who wants to learn how to use a gym and wants to make it a part of their life building competence in the gym is going to be massive. So actually having coaching is going to be hugely valuable to that person. And if somebody doesn't have the resources to have coaching, then using YouTube, even just, and I'm really going to have to step outside their comfort zone and just have a go. But initially that could look like just trying two machines. So watch the videos, scout out where they are, get there, get on it, have a go. Yes, you're going to be uncomfortable, but you can sit with that feeling, right? It's like, I said earlier, when you get triggered with an emotional thing and you suddenly something feels uncomfortable in your body, you're feeling some strong emotion and you really want to eat. And it's the same when you're going into the gym and you're feeling uncomfortable, you're feeling nervous. This is a good thing because you're stepping outside your comfort zone, which means change will there then happen. 
and sitting with that feeling and being like okay this feels nerve-wracking okay I can be with this feeling like I got this I can do this and you're almost becoming your own cheerleader like and like I said like somebody who does want to become competent at the gym and wants it to be a part of their life then really like mastering that is going to be key and whether you choose to have coaching or not like you can do that you via YouTube videos albeit they might not be great but it's better than nothing right yeah I mean again the act of giving it a go is going to be key isn't it to, to, to those who don't give things a go and haven't given things a go yeah I think once celebrate, you... celebrate sorry for interrupting like celebrate that you went twice like you'll see quite commonly with clients like oh you know just not a great week training I only went twice and I'm like how about you weren't doing any a few weeks ago and now you've been twice that's absolutely wicked like well done and it's like we naturally gravitate towards being so negative about ourselves. What about just saying, yeah, you know what? Like, go me. Like, go me. Absolutely. Yeah. I can't, yeah, to be fair, I'm just thinking of one of my check-ins from this week and I had that, you know, she's like, I've had a terrible week. I've been a bad client and I only managed to go four times this week. I was like, wow, you're, you're literally only programmed to go four times this week. So <laughs> like, if, okay. if, a, if 100% of your sessions is being a bad client, then hey, <laughs> you're terrible. But I mean, she's managing more than me. Like I'm lucky if I go three times these days. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just a case of, you know, like just beating herself up because she'd had a bit of a, a, a different week with the nutrition. Hadn't even been bad. It's just been, a, a you know, different to the week before which yeah. You, yeah and like you said earlier life is never linear like this is the thing where people will wait and wait and wait to start and it's like well life is never going to be linear life you're never going to have everything in a row to do this perfectly things are, and you wouldn't want it to be either because like you need to learn how to show up for yourself with your nutrition your training how to make mistakes and carry on going how to not be perfect you actually need to learn how to not be perfect but keep going anyway so you don't need to wait for life to be perfect you know you need to decide to just do it regardless because i think like if we think of like growing up most of us all went to school right and and you get exams in school and um it'd be probably fair to say none of us have ever gone through school only getting a hundred percent no you do enough to get a grade don't you and and whether that's a high grade low grade whatever you want to call it but you you get a certain percentage that's probably more than likely not 100 percent, and you seem to be fine you you're okay you get to move forwards and it is kind of like the gym like you're never going to be a at 100 percent kind of person even if you do go six seven days a week you're never going to have good days 100 percent of the time like you're never going to constantly improve you're never going to add more weight every session. It just doesn't work like that. So it's just like you say, it's just understanding ups and downs, peaks and troughs, good days, bad days. But the act of going is is always going to be key and working on. And I think it's like something along with like 80% consistency will always be better than 100% perfection, but 20% consistency, for example. Like, yeah. It's all based around that. But yeah, I think... In, a, in the crux of it, it's just get get trying, isn't it? To build that confidence in the gym. Mm. And with all of this stuff, it's just to try it, see how you get on, keep trying it, see how you get on. And it's repetition. Like, you've got to just keep repeating it and, you know, I'll get better. And I think so, so many people have been scarred by, by poor 
coaching or poor, poor, like say someone's gone to a PT for a session, they've never trained before, the PT's got them to do a leg session, back squats, deadlifts. This person is feels uncomfortable doing the movements because they're really complex. They ache so much afterwards and it puts people off. Like people think that's what it's all about. And it's really not like that is, isn't what it's all about. And some of these movements like training is a skill and you should feel competent and good in the movements that you're doing. And if you don't, and you are using a PT, then those movements aren't right for you. And, you know, you, you want to build that. Like I keep saying, you want to feel good about the training. It needs to be at your level. Like, yeah. Emptying the tank every time is not the point of having a personal trainer, no. uh, which is a shame because we do see that, and and I think we're we're privileged in in our educations, right? The way we the, the routes that we've gone to learn our trade are different to, I suppose, the majority of, of of personal trainers out there. But it is changing. But it is important to recognise that being blasted a hundred percent of the times for your sessions to be left feeling absolutely dead mm-hmm. every time is probably poor poor personal training every now and then is probably really good not really good yeah. but like it can it can have its place that's for sure it's never to say never do that but like you say you need to when it comes to training in the gym you're probably looking to prioritize technique and competence of the first. movements first, first. Yeah. and then once you've earned the right to to do the movements you can then earn the right to then push them a little bit harder and kind of push your boundary but again that comes with nudging the needle rather than trying to shove it over the cliff it's you want to work your way towards that especially if you're someone that hasn't been to the gym for 15 20 years the last thing you need is to be blasted and that's a classic thing we get in consultations to about you but it's like i just need to be blasted and it's like no you don't (laughs) that's the last thing you need because you won't turn up for another 20 years if i do that yeah Um, and i do have clients that i push to their limits but these are people that have been with me you know we've learned what they are we know what they can recover from they train really well we know what their tolerance is like there's so many things um but like you just said about somebody being like i just want to be blasted a lot of people want a will want you to give them a diet plan and tell them exactly what to eat and it's like how helpful is that long term so while you're motivated while I'm there that's going to help but how are you going to manage these things when I'm not there anymore and then you end up spending more money in five years time to to do it all over again yeah completely agree again just learning the habits trying and can't we're still becoming very repetitive in the sense of what we're saying it's it is the state of becoming autonomous in yourself and kind of learning how to do these things for yourself by yourself under guidance mm-hmm. i suppose and just testing it and again feeling a little bit uncomfortable each time you're trying these things um but yeah that's cool that's cool there's a lot there's a lot there for people to use right so is there anything that you think that we haven't kind of covered that you think we should mention um, no, I think we covered everything, but I was going to say, you mentioned like sense of self, like when we yes. spoke about doing a podcast. So I don't, I started doing some Googling and reading some papers and I was like, oh my God, my mind was blown. Um, and so much stuff came up on self-efficacy. So I'm going to read a little bit of like, just about what I found, if that's okay. No, please, let's do it. So 
self-efficacy is a person's particular set of beliefs that determine how well one can execute a plan of action in prospective situations. So to put in more simple terms, self-efficacy is a person's belief in their ability to succeed in a particular situation. So they go on to like talk about how it develops. So through um, it's influenced by encouragement and discouragement, positive and negative experiences. Um, so like this is like performance outcomes. And then it talks about like physiological feedback. So experiencing sensations in your body and how you perceive them. So again, it all comes back to like being more mindful and paying attention to like what's going on for you. And I just thought it was like really, really like interesting, like to read about. Um, and it's all like related to healthy habits and, you know, how you, what you perceive yourself to be able to do as opposed to what you have done in your life up to now. So you believe that you can do it like, you know. And one of the things that came up was like visualization. So this is quite cool with like, say for example, somebody does eat instead of go for a walk when they feel stressed or whatever. You can get somebody to like visualize, okay, next time I feel this way and I get home, I'm gonna visualize myself doing it another way. Um, and they wrote here about like visualizing being really, really like key and a really good thing to help you to build your self-efficacy, which I thought was just really interesting. It was interesting as well. One of the parts in there is like it's built upon positive and negative experiences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I think so is important. When, and I think it's how you perceive the negative experience. So you can either look at it as a lesson or you can look at it as, you know, I failed. Yeah. And I think that's particularly important, to, I think, for us to highlight because, again, as we've said a gazillion times now, nothing is linear and it's never going to just be better and better and better. There are going to be good times, there are going to be bad times. So if in train, training is an easy one to give an example from, because say, for example, you're lifting a weight, it's 20 kilos and you don't manage to lift it 10 times. You only managed to do nine. You could look at that and go, oh my God, I didn't do 10. Or you can go, I didn't do 10, but maybe next time. Yeah. Yeah. So it basically says it refers to believing in your capabilities so it says here, sorry, the perception of self-efficacy is distinct. It refers to believing in one's own capabilities that one can produce given levels of attainment. So it's different to confidence. Um, it's it's a little bit different, but yeah, it's basically that belief that, yeah, yeah. I didn't get it, but I, be I believe I can do this next yeah. time. Which is, I think it goes, it also boils back to the goal thing that we spoke about earlier in terms of it's fine, it's absolutely fine to have a big goal that may be months or years away but so that we don't get thrown off early doors we need to be able to visualize the little goals right so say for argument's sake someone wants to be able to do a chin up or a pull up that's quite a big goal for a few of my clients and um, they're people that can't lift their own body weight at the moment at all like even trx's are quite hard and inverted rows so thinking right okay well what can i do let's start with something manageable and then view the next goal. So maybe going from a lap pull down machine to an inverted row on a TRX, and then going from an inverted row to a little bit lower on an inverted row to the point where they're then having to put their feet up on a box and then they're hanging from a bar and then they're doing a chin up rather yeah. than going, here's me now unable to even get up on the bar. So then doing chin up, yeah. you know, if I can't, oh, well, I can't hang on a bar, then chin up's impossible. It's like, no, 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 it's literally not impossible. 
you just need to appreciate the very small steps along the way and enjoy them because they're pretty cool as well what people fail to realize is that the, the ability to do those things is actually really cool and they underestimate how good they are because they're only looking at the big yeah. thing but so it's having decent perception of these things as well and beliefs and I suppose the yeah the belief in what you can do there's because I suppose you could flip it and go well if <laughs> I believe I'm going to become a professional Olympic diver it's like well no I'm not because <laughs> not built for it and never going to have the training for it but like providing yeah. the big goal is genuinely realistic then yeah. you can build build the foundations from there I guess yeah definitely and I think that's why we spoke about so much things today about like building like skills and whatever but that just builds your intrinsic motivation to do things so instead of like being motivated by what other people think by the scales you're motivated by how it feels by what you're learning by what you're achieving along the way and that kind of helps you to build this whole sense of self self-efficacy all of those kind of things yeah and i think just all in all that we've said we've said quite a lot so i think the last thing we should again kind of resummarize is that there's a lot of aspects to all of this stuff there's a lot of aspects to your training there's a lot of aspects to your nutrition there's a lot of aspects to your psychology so when working on this i think it would be wise and sensible to just try and work on one little thing at a time yeah. and it sounds really cliche doesn't it, it sounds really cheesy of just one thing and da, 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 da. but like if you try and work on too many of these things at a time for what you could handle again we won't get very far just spinning just spinning too many plates whereas if you work on one thing layer on top of it layer on top of that yeah within the months weeks months years whatever it is you know the quicker you grasp these things the quicker you can move through these things but it's not a race yeah. um, i reckon the most important thing to work on straight away is recognizing how you're talking about yourself recognizing the way that your language is around nutrition and training like you know negative language around that bad and good on and off plan should do this instead of like i can do this i want to do this i'm choosing to do this and recognizing your negative chat about yourself and what you're capable of that's going to be the first point of call because you can start building on that over time and you can start saying nicer things to yourself you can start building your resources up from there but that's going to be i think like the first the first thing to start working on yeah and you write, a, you write a fair bit about that stuff on your Instagram and stuff, don't you? I think so, yeah. Maybe I should I do some do. more posts on on um, building your self-confidence and how you talk to yourself. And yeah. The posts I've seen you do. Where can people, where can people find you on Instagram and things like that? Where, where, where's your, where would you like them to find you? You can find me at, I'm going to have to check. Yeah. <laughs> amy.pickering.pt there we go um i've got a website which is amypickeringpt.com and yeah instagram my website are probably the two best places to find me 